Welcome to the Practice X Factor, the podcast to help provide you with tools, ideas, and real-world insights to grow your practice 2x, 5x, or even 10x. All right. Well, welcome, and uh, thanks for joining us today. We have a special, awesome guest, a real cool guy, um, Dr. Dan Tunnell. And uh, not only is he a great dentist and periodontist, but he's just a great all-around person. Um, he's an awesome, cy- awesome cyclist, uh, great dad. So uh, welcome and uh, tell our listeners uh, a little bit about you and, and uh, how you got to where you are and what you like to do and those kind of things. Well, I definitely love cycling. You're interrupting my cycling ride today. Sure. No, yeah, right. I'm right. But uh, no, so Dan Tunnell grew up uh, on on the East Coast and bounced around a lot growing up, went to University of Pittsburgh for dental school, uh, determined that I was going to be an orthodontist and got into dental school and realized that orthodontics did not excite me at all and uh, discovered periodontics, fell in love with it and decided to pursue it. Uh, went to University of Iowa for my residency and now I'm practicing here in Salt Lake City. I've been here uh, almost 15 years now, which is hard to believe. Um, early on in my practice, I was working uh, one day a week at a uh, at a Monarch Dental, so a, a group practice environment, a DSO environment, if you will, and uh, got to experience what that was like. And, uh, and then working my own practice, building my own private practice, which I purchased right out of school. And now I work three days a week here at my office and I'm teaching at the university of Utah school of dentistry a day and a half a week. And I've been doing that for about six years and love it. It's a great environment, uh, opportunity to keep my skills uh fresh and keep me excited about what i'm doing i love sharing uh, little bits of knowledge with the students and it uh, motivates me when i get back in my own office here Uh, so there's a good balance there Uh, personally i'm married got uh, half a dozen kids uh, in school from elementary up to college and so life is busy between cycling and working and taking care of a family. Uh, but, uh, I really enjoy what I do. And you have an extra aerodynamic haircut right now. I noticed. So that that's right. Makes, makes you even, <laughs> even has that little edge of speed. Yeah. Every little bit counts. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, have, I am, uh, I'm, I'm like a ride leader for my, my 13 year olds, uh, mountain biking team. And last night there was a, one of the, one of the, uh, seventh graders, he, full endoed into some trees did a full flip off his bike crashed. Um, his shoulder was kind of sore, skinned his elbow. And I was thinking, man, if that happened to me, I'd be like out of work for six months. I'd be, I'd be host, you know? Well, I'll tell you, cycling is a dangerous profession for dentists. I have too many dentist friends who have, uh, had really close calls, uh, with death. In fact, I've got a, a really good, doctor that I work with and also a neighbor of mine who was coming down the canyon the other night and uh, got hit by a car head on car drifted over into his lane hit him head on he broke his neck several ribs and uh, 
lucky to be alive. He's uh, amazingly now it's been uh, uh, about a month, I think, since it's happened and he's starting to walk a little bit and uh, trying to get back into his practice to get going. But yeah, scary. You just got to be so careful. Yeah, yeah, that's uh it it is I, I mean you think about you know even even the uh you know that crash that happened in the Tour de France, you know. Yeah. Uh, this year is like you know that that guy some of those guys might be coming to see you, you know, I can I was just thinking <laughs> man, how many teeth and wrists and elbows were just could be really badly hurt, so Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is cool. Well, well thanks for joining us, you know, we're kind of talking um uh, you know, with practice owners about really adding value to their patients. Um, I think uh, a lot of us can fall into the insurance trap and especially with more corporate practices, um, you know, corporate practices are kind of known for um, really, you know, squeezing every drop of insurance benefit. And whether that's right or wrong isn't so much we're debating. It's just more of, you know, in a private practice, I think the philosophy is generally more about the patient and you have a lot of experience in, you know, DSO, your own practice, and then also, you know, public health and educational dentistry and stuff. So I think you got a really good perspective and, um, you know, with, with, uh, a lot of the procedures you do perio, you know, you may do a narrower range of codes than maybe a general dental office does, you know, um, cause you're focused more in those areas but do you think yeah. do, you, do you think um things have kind of come full circle you know when i when i graduated dental school it seemed like everything was kind of like hey if a tooth's even questionable we're going to take it out and put implants in you know and i know in my office uh you know i've kind of come around where it's like hey you know implants aren't always the best option and uh we know a lot of people don't maintain them and stuff but even just people who naturally have receding gums and stuff you've always been really conservative that way. In fact, Dan did some gum grafts for me, which turned out great. Right. I could have Thanks. taken mine out and, you know, got some implants yeah. or some, some dentures or something, but I didn't. So what do you think, well, uh, do you, what do you see on the you know yeah. forefront of, of, you know, saving, removing teeth, that kind of thing? Yeah. I'll tell you that my experience has been that, uh, I think that we are sometimes a little too quick to take teeth out. And I'm actually surprised as I go around and lecture to groups and I've got a couple of study clubs that I'm involved in. As I sit down and talk, I think that people, um, and maybe it's a disservice done in the education system, but uh, dentists aren't always aware of what can, what we can do to save teeth or improve the health of teeth. We, see a, a nine millimeter pocket and some slight mobility. And we think that the tooth can't be saved, for example, that's just, I mean, that's a real raw example. And, um, I'm making, I'm oversimplifying it, but, uh, there really are some great things that we can do to save teeth. Now it's not always the case, but, um, in fact, I just saw a patient today for her final evaluation, uh, tooth number nine, for example, she, had some pathologic migration of it. She had nine millimeter probing depths on a couple of surfaces. And uh, we were kind of on the fence. Can we save this tooth? Does it need to go? And after consulting with her, we decided we were going to try to save it and do some regeneration. So sent her back to her dentist uh, and asked the dentist to uh, stabilize the tooth. So he bonded some wire on the 
uh, palatal surfaces of those maxillary anterior teeth, uh, really stabilized that tooth well. And then I went in and did some regenerative therapy. And here we are six months later, I've got three millimeter probing depths uh, around this tooth. And we've been able to save it and create a situation where with good oral hygiene, she's going to hang on to this tooth for several more years, um, if not more. So nothing we do is permanent. Nothing lasts forever. But uh, yeah, there's a lot we can do to save teeth. And so I am careful. Uh, I'll, I'll admit I'm probably one of the more conservative people when it comes to whether or not we're going to pull teeth versus implants and and even implants versus bridges and things like that. I, um, I think that there's a lot we, we have in our armamentarium that we can use and we've got to make sure we exhaust all those options. Yeah. Well, you know, kind of tell me or walk us through, you know, if, when you're having that conversation with a patient, how much does, you know, insurance or benefits factor into, you know, when you're, when you're presenting that treatment, like at what point would you, bring that in um or you just base yeah. it on the patient's needs i have never in and uh, so i never bring up insurance with a patient it's never part of our conversation it never has been part of the conversation and uh i uh, i don't ever make a decision or present an option to a patient based on their insurance in fact i I like to not even know, I don't even know most of the time whether or not my patient has dental insurance. And that makes it really easy for me to not let that influence what I tell them or what I recommend. So uh, my staff knows, my, you know, the in, people who do the intake and get the insurance card from the patient, they know, but I don't ever look at that before I meet with the patient. Uh, so I would say it has absolutely zero influence. And I, uh, I would just say, just going off on a tangent here, that uh, several years ago, I was at our local uh, annual dental convention, and they threw out the challenge. Maybe you were there and, and heard that as well, but they said, find your, those insurance plans that are hurting your office, uh, that are less profitable for your office, and get rid of them make the goal to get rid of them. And I kind of took that to heart and, uh, over a two year period, I don't, I'm not on very many plans. I'm on just, uh, two, two plans now, but, uh, I got rid of two plans over a, about an 18 month period because they weren't doing anything for me. They don't influence my decision-making process. And I was amazed that the number of patients that stayed with us, number of patients that continued to seek treatment, uh, we were bracing ourselves for a little bit of a, a dip in our, mm. in our schedule and, and how busy we were, but it just never happened. So would you say, I mean, like generally speaking, sounds like it didn't affect your bottom line a whole lot or not that you could notice. Not in fact, our, you know, the exact opposite, our, pro, our, our office has just continued to grow and. And I think that's because of the relationships that we build with our patients and the relationships that we build with the referring offices. Uh, that's one thing I always try to keep in mind whenever a patient sits down in my chair is I'm not just treating the patient, but I'm treating the doctor that 
is associated with that patient. And so if I keep that in my mind, um, it sure helps me make good decisions and, and uh, stay out of trouble. Yeah, well, I think that's pretty, pretty cool. So would you say, I mean, typically you would just, you would present the treatment and then you turn it over to your financial team to kind of go through the bells and whistles of what would cover and all, but you're, you're personally not having that discussion with patients, right? I never have that conversation it, uh, because they all, they inevitably are going to start asking me questions that I don't know the answers to. Right. Right. And I have people that I pay in my office to know that and to deal with that. And it's good to have somebody separated from the actual provider position, presenting that information to the patient. Right. I think having a third party who is my staff member have that conversation is, is critical to the success of the whole program and, and our whole system. Um, do, so do you, no, I, do you give your, do you give your patients kind of a ballpark cost generally, or do you leave everything to the, to the treatment coordinator and everything? I leave everything to them. Cool. Um, boy, it's a rare, a rare moment when I might throw out a number for a patient. And usually it's because it's a neighbor of mine or a friend of somebody. And I'll just, I'll throw some numbers around, but uh, no, I don't like to have financial conversations with patients and, and never have. Uh, I don't think that's very professional in my opinion uh, for, from a, a doctor standpoint, that's not, that's not my role. Well, and I, I really like how you, you know, keep that separate. Cause I mean, I think even, you know, we know medicine's a little bit different because, you know, dentistry, it's really not insurance at all. It's like, you know, a thousand or 1500 benefit, which, you know, if you have it great, probably want to use it. I probably would too, but I personally wouldn't let it dictate, you know, where I sought treatment, you know, medical may be different. If you're having a five or six figure operation, you know, you may, you may want to pay attention, but you know, I've just seen medical providers where it's like, oh yeah, uh, you probably should have this done, but insurance won't cover it. And I remember, um, a couple of years ago, uh, there was a, a guy talking and he, he's a insurance negotiator. And he was saying how his, you know, son was born and he had this heart defect and in comes the, uh, financial guy at the hospital. And he's got this book with stacks of pages and it's all these consent forms. And he's like, what is this? You know? And they said, well, your insurance only covers, um, a, uh, a general surgeon to do this surgery on your son. Right. So he, he, you know, because he's in the industry, he knew, and he looked it up and it was like 85% chance of death in children that had this surgery done by a general surgeon. Whereas if a, you know, pediatric cardiothoracic, you know, someone with, you know, 85 years of school and all these things, if they did it, it was like a 92% success rate or something, you know? And so he said, well, Hey, can I even choose this? And, 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 you know, he was bringing up some of the newer insurance laws that allow patients to choose, you know, to, to, to upgrade or pay the difference if they want to. But the point was he wasn't even offered that, you know, and I think yeah. a lot of, a lot of practices, we get sucked into that trap um, where, and it may not be the doctors, but it could be our person at the front desk who could fall into that trap of, oh, you probably do want to do this because insurance covers it. Or, oh, if you don't have insurance, um, you can do that. And, uh, 
you know, I actually called uh, with my team a couple of weeks ago. We just called an office and played patient. And I won't say the name of the office and we didn't make an appointment and, you know, it didn't matter, but it was just like, Hey, I need a root canal. How much does that cost? And the, the woman on the phone pretty much told me that if I didn't have insurance, I shouldn't get a root canal. And, and I was thinking, man, if that was, if she was answering the phone at my office, I'd be tearing my hair up because what the cost is one thing, but also like, what if that's uh, pushing a patient away from treatment and now they end up in the ER and get a bill yeah. for $5,000 only to get referred back to the dentist that could have been prevented, you know? So I, I see that happening a lot. And I think, you know, that's why I, I uh, asked you to come on and do this because, you know, you've, you've struck me someone who really just has the patient in mind and, you know, you offer implants and perio, which is really cool because you you don't just see a nail and have a hammer, you know, you're like, Hey, we can go left or we can go right. Um, and we have that option. Hang tight. We'll jump right back into the podcast after this quick update from our sponsors. Times are changing and so is practice ownership. Are you feeling threatened by DSOs? pressured by insurance companies slashing your fees, or concerned about the changes in your marketplace? If so, check out the new book, The Owner's Guide to a Productive Dental Practice, Seven Keys Every Dentist Needs to Grow in the New Economy. In this book, you'll learn seven steps and strategies to take your practice to the next level where you're not reliant on insurance, or corporate dentistry, and instead, you'll learn how to build stronger relationships with your patients and your team. Grab your free copy at thebookonpracticegrowth.com, which you can download digitally or receive a real copy in the mail while our limited supply lasts. Are you looking to grow your patient case acceptance and collections, but Tired of the big fees from some of the major finance companies? Now there's a fantastic alternative solution with a trusted partner that your patients know and trust. Mountain America Credit Union offers fantastic patient financing programs with a quick and easy finance application that lets you control the terms and benefits of the plan. We've been using Mountain America for months now and have had fantastic results for our patients with large restorative and implant cases. To learn more, visit macu.com. I've never considered myself, um, you know, the big implant guy. I love doing implants as much as anybody, and we do a lot of implants, but uh, I love balance. I love doing other procedures as well. I love soft tissue grafting. Uh, I love doing general perio. And so I try to uh, market myself as the, kind of the complete perio package and cool. not get too focused on one area. But what I wanted to share was that uh, not too long ago, I was talking with uh, another faculty member over at the university while we were working. And he said, you know, I, I'd love to refer more patients to you and work with you more, but you're just not on the insurance plans that our office is on. And so uh, the patients won't accept treatment. And I, you know, I, I started thinking at first, my thought process is, oh, shoot, do I need to get on some more insurance plans to work more with this guy? 
But then I thought, no, it's not, it's just not worth it. I'm as busy as I want to be, mm-hmm. um, as busy as I can be. And, and uh, I just don't want to have my fees dictated by a third party like that. I'd rather be a little less busy and be fairly compensated than in, in the middle of that rat race, if you will. So, um, you know, and you probably get patients in your office too that say, you know, I can only have two cleanings a year because that's all my insurance will cover. And, and that's a great opportunity to have a conversation with someone and say, your insurance doesn't dictate what you can and can't do. They'll dictate how much they'll cover, but really it's between you and I to dictate what needs to be done. Not a third party insurance company like that. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, where that came from. Um, you know, it's like a, it was like a Pepsi commercial during one of the world wars where it was like the guy came up with this jingle and it was like, brush your teeth twice a day with Pepsi and see your dentist twice a year for checkups, you know? And it's like, that was thrown out there as a marketing line. And then that got adopted into, because before that, like nobody was getting preventative, you know, just like something hurt. You just, I think they said before world war one or two, it was like 8% of households had toothpaste, you know? And, <laughs> and so you can imagine just the bad breath. And so they come up with this gene one. It's like people adopted. And to me, it's like, you know, we, we try to be insurance friendly in our office, but certainly there are a lot of plans. Most plans we don't take, we can still be friendly to it. You know, even if we can't, you know, someone listen to this, even if you can't, even if you don't take it or even won't bill it, at least give your patient a receipt where they could submit it on their own or something. I think there are other ways that you can still show, Hey, look, you're welcome to use this benefit. We're doing what's in your best interest. And I think, you know, a lot of offices will say, Oh, I charge this much for a crown or an implant or a soft tissue graft. But then you look at their chart and they never actually charge that much because they write off every single one of them to adjust yeah. down. And then you start compromising care. Cause then you start thinking, well, could I get a cheaper or lower quality biologic or cement? Yeah. Or, oh yeah. You know, and uh, so, so good for you, you know, to, 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 you know, you didn't compromise what you feel is right. And uh, you know, I think <clears throat> perio is unique too, because, you know, we, we uh, talk a lot about, you know, practices having membership plans or some kind of plan for their patients. Cause for us, it's really been transformative where we have um, a, a solution for them because a lot of people say, Oh, I don't have insurance, so I can't come get my teeth clean, you know, and to us, to you and I, it's like, that's like saying, you know, I don't have medical insurance, so I can't exercise or eat healthy, you know, it just, <laughs> just seems crazy, but you know, you, people say that. And so, you know, when you have a plant, some kind of program or things and, and perio is unique because unlike most other specialists, you have a lot of patients on recare, you know, compared to yes. maybe an oral surgeon or even an orthodontist, they see him for a couple of years and then, you know, see you later, have a good life kind of thing. And, And uh, I was talking to another practice owner recently and he was kind of talking about how he'd done so many all on fours and stuff. And he was kind of dialing those back and trying to save more teeth and maybe do some removables and stuff like that. And I was kind of like, yeah, why do you think some of these big implant centers drop those in, but they don't provide any service for them or anything uh, you know, and not that, not that they're all bad, but it's like, they know that, like you said, nothing lasts forever. And, yep. uh, this, this young woman you were talking about earlier, you said she was pretty young, right? The one you were 
doing the number nine, the tooth number nine on. Right? Uh, she was mid, you know, fifties. Right. Probably. But if she's going to live 30 more years, you could always do an implant in 15 years. If it absolutely, if it came the option's then, always there, you know, and I find most patients, even if it's not a perfect solution, if it's a solution that might get them another couple of years, they love that. They're grateful for that to, to be able to put that off. And, and so, yeah, just you be upfront and be honest with them. Say, this is, I can give you this and it can, it might last a few years. Uh, but that's a few more years you've got with your natural teeth. And, you know, it's interesting as I've gone to the uh, annual perio meetings uh, every year, the all that all on four concept was so big for so long. We talked about it all the time. It's interesting now, as I just looked at our program for this upcoming year that you don't see a whole lot about it. It's not as, it's not as emphasized as it was. And, I think it's a great option. I think it can work really well, but it's not a perfect option. And uh, I run into a lot of students that are like, I just want to do all in fours my whole career and I'm going to make big money doing that. Well, there's a lot of follow-up required with all in fours. You don't just, like you said, those centers that just place them and then there's, there's no recare. There's a reason for that mm-hmm. because the follow-up is difficult. It's, a, it's labor intensive. Um, and you're married to that person for a long time. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's just another tool in the tool belt. So it's an exactly. option, but, but it's not, you know, and that's why I think it's great patients we've sent to you is you give them options and talk through it. Some of these things are done in phases, but you know, to me is like, you know, when someone comes, a lot of times they'll say, Hey, I want to get implants. And they may have no idea what the cost or the time is like, it's good to have an option anything from a bridge down to a flipper just so that because yeah. some people aren't ready and i think too many offices they don't have any kind of program or plan or other option they just have you know one key to fit one lock and then you lose that patient because they might come back in three years and want to get all that done but you you break that trust when all you do is try to shove this 20 or forty thousand idea yeah you've got to give options Mm-hmm. Yep. So what, what would you say, I mean, for practice owners, either maybe, maybe some of these procedures they're doing in their office, maybe some they're working with a periodontist. Um, what, what are ways that have been helpful for you to help patients see the value in, in what you're doing, right? Because, you know, there's a cost to get some soft tissue crafting done or an implant or a regenerative, you know, biologic, those kind of things. What are things that work well for you? And just having that conversation with the patient where they can see the value and what you have to offer. Um, I think that uh, going back to what I've said a few times now is just being upfront and honest with the patient that I'll often say, I can't offer you a perfect solution, but under these circumstances, I can tell you this is the best solution. Um, if you were my mother or my wife, this is what I would recommend for you. And, uh, and, and then I just, I let it hang. Um, I think sometimes uh, we get caught up in talking too much and trying too hard to explain why we recommend something or don't recommend something else. Um, I, I feel like I've mastered the art of saying in a, just a few short sentences, this is what you need. And then I stop and let them just digest it. 
and let them say the next words. And uh, more often than not, the response is, well, if you think that's what's best, I'm going to go with that. Um, so I think uh, being able to, to stop talking and just listen is, is the best thing you can do. Right. Do you, do you have any kind of um, like, you know, obviously you have some recare for, for like your perio patients or maintenance. If someone comes in and, you know, maybe they've got loose teeth or need a graft or something like that. What's your kind of, what, what's your opinion on how much follow-up you do with someone versus how much is it like breathing down their neck and pastoring them, you know, as far as maybe they leave the office, they got to go home and talk to their wife or husband, um, kind of make a plan. What's that look like for you? If you wouldn't mind. Sharing. Right. So, uh, my, that let's say they, I've recommended some soft tissue grafting for them. They come back at their next high period maintenance appointment and they haven't scheduled. Um, usually my hygienist is the one who will mention it to them that you remember Dr. Tunnell recommended this and the patient says yes, or, and I'm not interested right now, or yes, I've been meaning to schedule that. And when she comes to get me for the exam, she'll let me know what their response has been to her during that conversation. So then I can go in a little better prepared. So if it's, yes, I'm not interested right now, then I can just take a look and say, you know, Mr. So-and-so, uh, we still recommend this. And, uh, you know, our recommendation hasn't changed. And uh, when you're ready to schedule, you let us know. Or if it's, yeah, I've been meaning to set that up, but I haven't done it yet. That kind of person, it's like, okay, well, let's get the patient care coordinator in the off into the operatory here and let's have her help you set that up and get the, get the ball rolling. So sometimes they just need a little push in that direction, but you've got to make sure they're in the right mindset first before you give them that little push. Right. Yeah. We, we like to say in my office, you know, if a patient openly admits like, Hey, I'm not ready to do this. We're not going to put it in their active follow-up where it's like, we're hounding them about it because they've got to be ready People are, people are more informed now than ever, even though they're often wrongfully informed or misled because of all the, you know, bogus websites. And, you know, if you read anything on WebMD, it's like, you might have gum disease or cancer, you know, everything's right. got that in there, you know, which could, which may or may not be true. But I think people come into your office and they already have an idea of what they want from the visit. And, uh, and I think you have an advantage in, in perio over most specialties where, you get that follow-up to see your patient again in three, four, or six months. So you can keep that kind of on the back burner until they're ready. Yep. I don't, uh, I don't breathe down their necks. I don't, uh, I'll skip a few maintenance appointments and not even, and not even bring it up, uh, before I say something to them again, just because I think that's a, a really fast way to lose a patient. You start trying to tell them to do something they don't want to do. Um, they're going to be out the door finding somebody else. Uh, but again, in my opinion, it all comes back to relationships. And the relationships start with that first point of contact in your office, your office manager, or whoever's at the front desk, um, building a relationship with the patient, your hygienist building a relationship with that patient, and then you building a relationship with that patient. And when all of you have that relationship with them, those conversations are easy to have. It's like you're talking to your neighbor. And uh, I, I would say that 
I don't know if it's half or if it's three fourths of my patients. I, you know, they're friends to me. These are people that uh, I know their life stories. They know mine. And uh, when you have that kind of relationship, the recommendations and the treatment that needs to be done, that's really easy. It just happens. Well, I think that's great. You know, we, the, the saying we kind of, you know, came up with in my office is, you know, mo- most practices, they get a patient to do treatment on. And we've kind of flipped that on its head and said, you know, we offer treatment in order to gain patients or relationships, you know? So it's like, we have a service we provide to get people who can be lifelong friends and patients, and we can really help them out. Even if it's referring them to the medical provider to go get blood work because they look like they're diabetic or maybe have sleep apnea or other, other things we find, you know, we, we look at as, you know, we can provide an emergency service or crown someone's teeth so that we can, you know, become a lifelong uh, provider for this patient rather than, Hey, how many new patients can we slam in this month and how much treatment can we squeeze from them and milk out of their insurance or their HSA? Um, Because people, people know are more informed than ever. And they kind of know they can feel when they're being railroaded a little bit. And and, uh, I've always liked your style with that. So, you know, your best, your best uh, litmus test for whether or not uh, you're building relationships with your patients is if your patients are becoming some of your best referral sources. Right. If your patients are becoming your best referral sources and you know, you're doing something right. Absolutely. Right. I think we, we look at, um, you know, the retention rate of our patients and the referrals is the two indicators of if the practice is doing well, because they're coming back and they're, they can't help but tell people about you because they just felt good in your office. They felt cared for. They have a good experience. It's not like, you know, you can tell your patients, Hey, go tell everybody about us. Most people aren't going to do that, but it just naturally comes up in their conversation because they appreciated that you were honest with them. And they're like, Hey, uh, a lot of healthcare providers I see didn't take the time that Dr. Tunnell did and really got to know me and talk to me. And that really makes you stand out. So that's pretty cool. So, um, well, Hey, we're just about out of time here, but uh, I think we got lots of lots of gold nuggets from you here, and just you know, getting a sense for your style and, and how you talk to people. Um, for anyone watching or listening to this, how could they, um, you know, maybe find out more about what you do if they had a, a perio question or uh, a question about running a practice or or some CE, anything like that you want to share that that might be helpful. Yes. So uh, I do have, uh, um, for those who are members of the Utah Dental Association, at least, you can go on to the UDA website and I have a recorded CU lecture on there on soft tissue grafting. Um, but uh, I'm more than happy to talk and share ideas with anybody. So feel free to reach out to me via email. Uh, my email address is drtdrt at wasatchperio.com. And uh, would love to hear from anybody and, and share ideas and learn from you. And, and some ideas about cycling too. You know, like me, I, I just figured out why I have so much drag. It's because it's, it's the mop <laughs> of hair I got to thin out. You know, I got to get with the with the Dantonel uh-huh. haircut, you know. So, yeah, if you want to go riding and you live in the area, hit me up. Yeah. Always looking for someone to ride with. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And I saw one of my friends is in one of the local cycling groups and I saw Wasatch Perio on the back. So I was like, that's, I was like, Hey, do you know this guy? 
Like, you know, this name you're driving around town with, he's a good guy, yes. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Hey, always great talking to you. Glad you're here. You're doing well and, and uh, appreciate all you do to help our patients and being a great resource for us. So thanks again. Yeah. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks for inviting me to be part of this. Yeah. Awesome. We'll do it again. Okay. All right. Thanks. For more growth tools and to unlock access to weekly practice building tips, visit yourpracticegrowth.com and subscribe to our free weekly email today.